You may be seated. Miss Chrissy and Miss Melissa and Tori all uh, went to Texas with a family reunion, uh, girls only. That's why I'm not able to go. That's why I got left back. Me and Taylor got left back. Caleb got left back. It's all right. We got the kids. And, and Mr. Jerry, he got left back too. But his son came up to Branson, and so I brought him to Branson yesterday to be with his son, Purnell. And um, I think they're going to barbecue for us Tuesday, and we're going to go up to Branson. That's that's what's going on. So I really appreciate Taylor stepping up and taking care of this and worship and everything else in the team. One more time, would you give it up for our worship team? Thank you so much. And uh, don't forget to... Uh, Spend some time tonight with your family. Happy Fourth of July. God bless you. And God bless this nation. I know it's not perfect. I know it's not perfect, but I've traveled into other nations and um, I've been to other places. And um, and um, uh, if you haven't had to stop at a checkpoint and get out of your car, somebody's holding a, a machine gun, you know, and, and checking everything out before you can get back in your car. And, See if everything's all right, and checking your passport, and checking, see if you're who you are. Um, you know, sometimes we take for granted the freedom we have. So God bless the United States of America. Uh, when I get home, and when I get home, I as soon as I hit the airport, I kissed, I kissed the airport. I put my hand down first. I kissed my hand, but then I, I don't kiss the floor because I don't want to kiss the floor. But anyway, y'all understand what I'm saying. And so I felt the Lord give me this patriotic service this message it's kind of patriotic uh, my burden in my heart is that um, you know I'm 60 years old if God give me another decade or two then praise the Lord I'm happy and uh, and I've come through a, a lot of changes in this great nation but uh, the condition she's in now I'm praying for my grandkids praying for my grandkids and the next gen who has to face some of the things that, that we're seemingly touching on now that could get it could get worse. So America is uh, the American church is in a crisis. Obviously, America's in a crisis, but the American church is also in a crisis, an identity crisis, and uh, almost not recognizable, a compromising church, a layout of seeing, uh, seeing kind of church. But uh, with that said, how I many know oh, there still is a remnant of God's people? There is seven thousand that have not bowed their knee to Baal and who are standing. And affirming that we will we will be God's people, we will hold to God's unchanging hand and the word of God. And so I I don't know about you, but when he gets here, I want to him find I want him to find faith in my heart, and I want him to find faith at Oak Grove Assembly. Amen. And so Proverbs fourteen thirty four righteousness exalts a nation. And then there's a but big big. But sin is a reproach to any people. So no matter what nation, no matter what ethos, no matter what ethnic group, no matter what nation, sin will bring every nation down. Is anybody hearing me? Sin is a reproach to any nation. So, oh, okay, y'all going to help me. So I'll let you just help me up there. I thank you, girl. I appreciate that. Uh, Proverbs 29, 1 and 2. Listen to this. I thought it a very interesting text. He who is often rebuked. And hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. And when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. And Israel, down through the years, a oh man, you had a righteous king, things were people were rejoicing, things were well. You had a wicked king, things were bad, and people were groaning. When Pharaoh was ruling over in Moses' day, I mean, oh, the people groaned and cried out to the Lord night and day. And I love the scripture when it says, and the Lord heard their cry. How many of you believe that God hears the cry of his people? Right? Second Samuel 7, 14. If my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, cry out to the Lord. Then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. So next slide, please, sister, if you're doing so well. Edward Gibbons wrote a seven-volume series on the fall of the Roman Empire. I found it I found it very interesting and so I just um I just I know that um America is facing some of these same things but how I many know America was established by one nation under God's rule of law 
That's how she was established. God ordained it. God blessed it. And many of the leaders, our forefathers, had moral and decency and character and believed the Bible had authority and it was a rule to govern our, our nation. But um, but Edward, Edward Gibbons, he wrote this. And so I wanted to give, I found in his writing, six reasons for the fall of the Roman Empire. Very interesting to me uh, because it seems that there's some similarities. You tell me. Number one was the undermining of dignity of the sanctity of the marriage and the family, which is the basis for any human society. I mean, as the family goes, so goes the church. And as the church goes, so goes the society. And as the society goes, that's it. I mean, that's it. So so that's a big reason. Number two, higher and higher taxation uh, and spending of the public's money for free bread and circus entertainment for the population. Does that sound familiar to you? Okay, number three. There became a mad craze for pleasure and sports, etc., which became more exciting and yet more brutal every year. And uh, till till Nero began to have coliseums filled with people to come and uh, watch the lions and the tigers eat the Christians. Hey, hey. Um, if it happens to us, those tigers are going to be well fed. That's all I can tell you. Go Tigers. Anyway, next, the building of gigantic loads of weapons and equipment. Uh, and when the real enemy all along was within the nation. The enemy is not from without. You can have all the weapons you want. The real enemy of America is immorality and the sins of the people. That's the real enemy. That's what was going on in Rome. And so um, Dad's taking pictures, sissy, so we have to slow it down a little bit. Did you get that one, Max? Okay, number five, <laughs> the decay of religion. I mean, that's a big one. Faith began to fade uh, into form, a form of godliness, yet denying the power thereof. The word of God began to be uh, seemingly irrelevant to them. And, uh, and then they lost touch with the value of life. No value for life. No value for life. And, uh, and then uh, the leadership crisis, no guides, no wisdom to lead the people. And uh, when God called Solomon to lead, uh, he said, what do you want? He said, I just want wisdom to lead your people. I mean, no, we need a revival of godly wisdom, godly fear. Like we said last week, they lost the fear of God. So the fear of God is what sustained the New Testament church and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. So if you have the Holy Spirit, if you have the fear of God, the Holy Spirit will sustain you. Amen. And so number six, the identity, uh, identity crisis and uh, the spread of femininity. Girls looking and acting like men and men looking and acting like girls. Uh, basically, Romans 1 was exchange the truth of God for a lie and began to worship the creature instead of the creator. Instead of being content the way God made you, you want to become something else. I mean, no, oh, that's confusion. That is not that is not Bible uh, worldview uh, of the Bible, Christian worldview. And so that's what's going on. That's what. But it's not new. What I wanted to tell you was. This, these six reasons are not new. Christianity is declining in America. Christianity is. It's not even the church. The church has been declining. Now Christianity is declining. People who are claiming to be Christian. Well, here's amazing. Because we've got churches on every corner and people in them. We have people who carry a Bible but don't live it. You understand? So it's in the name of, the form of, Christianity, but it's long gone. Next, please. What do we need to learn in the crisis? Number one, taking notes or taking pictures, whichever one you want to do. God requires character. Character. And there's a lot of people who have the name, you know, Christian. They tag, they tag themselves Christian, but it doesn't look anything like the imprint of what a Christian is supposed to be like. A Christian is one who follows Jesus. Is anybody hearing me this morning? So this is a, this is startling to me. Um, and so, you know, it, it wasn't just looking and acting like girls. Now look what look what it is involved in today. Telling our children to change uh, and and mutilating their bodies. And now, not only did it mutilate their bodies, they're they're transforming their minds. They're warping their minds because they don't know. It messes with it. It messes with you. Philippians 2.15, Paul said this, that you may be blameless and harmless, 
sons of God, without rebuke. Remember the Proverbs text? Without rebuke. Because if you, if you can't be rebuked, if you can't listen to God's law, uh, then God will, he will take care of it. But we'll get into it. If you hear me preach and say amen, without rebuke, in the midst of a, look what Paul calls it 2,000 years ago, a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in this world. So thank God for the church. How many know the church is the only salvation we've got left? It's the only hope for this world. And if, if we don't, if we don't shine as lights in this dark world, man, it's going to, it's going to, it's, it's kind of like opening up the floodgates and, and just the flood of, of sin and filth is going to overtake it. But, uh, we cannot deny evil is all around us. Two years, 2000 years ago, Paul called his generation crooked and perverse. What do you think he thinks about who we are today? I mean, wow. And I, I don't have any, uh, I didn't have any clue that 10 years from now that we'd be talking and seeing and things demonstrated the way we are today. And every day I just shake my head in disbelief. It's, it's heart wrenching. And, and I wonder how long I asked the Lord, how long will he put up with this? How, how long will he allow this? And so many, even in the church have allowed Satan in their minds and their hearts and it, it's an all-out spiritual battle. And basically, it's, it's spirit in the flesh. I mean, no, it's good and evil. That's what's going on. So some principles to learn, uh, very simple. Character trumps ability. I don't care how smart you think you are or how strong you think you are. If you don't have character, you can have 10 degrees behind your name. If you don't have character, it's not really going to pan out well for you. Because God, fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, right? And you're the steward over your own spirit. Here's the deal. You know, a lot of people want to place blame on the church and the church leadership. And, yeah, there could be some. Shepherds could be responsible. There's a lot of leadership gaps, right? There's a lot of brokenness, not only in the home but in the church. Definitely some brokenness in the government. Got an amen there. But, But you are the steward over your own spirit. You're responsible for you. I'm responsible for me. So I'd love to blame it on uh, my family. I'd love to blame it on my parents. I'd love to blame it on the on the church or, or on the laws of America is gone. So I'm gone. I mean, no, it's you. At the end of the day, you stand before the Lord. Amen? For your carnality. So there's no excuses. Uh, I hear it all the time. My parents forced all this legalism on me and made me. And now I don't plan to lead my family that way. Okay. Well, how do you plan to lead your family? I mean, no, the way of the Lord is the only way. The only way that's going to bring peace and blessing. There's another way. There is a way that seems right to a man, but it only brings him death. I mean, no, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by him. So, so I don't know. You say, well, you know. My daughter, you know, she works in up, not my daughter, but, you know, I've had, uh, I've had somebody say, my daughter works at an upscale restaurant bar. What's wrong with that? Okay. Go ahead and let it go for a little while and see how that pans out for you. As parents, I mean, you gotta probably help them make better decisions. It may not seem like it's a problem for you right now, but, but listen to me. Something bad can happen. In that environment. In fact, I don't, I don't foresee any good coming out of that environment. Well, the Bible don't say you, well, I know, okay. Go ahead and try it out and see how that pans out. I had a lady one time brought her kid to me. She had painted her nails black, her hair was black, her eyes was black, her makeup was black, everything was black. She took her baby dolls and cut the heads off and put them in the aquarium like a little presentation of, I don't know, blackness. Darkness. It looked very dark. And the mom brought a little girl to me, 13, uh, and said, what's wrong with my daughter? I said, my goodness, I don't know. It seems like something definitely wrong. She always been this way? No. No. Uh, it just started happening after I read the Harry Potter series. It was such a, a literary book. She had literal, literarily sent your baby to hell, basically. I mean, what you put in is what you're going to get out. You go ahead and say it's okay, that it's just a literary work of art. 
how many know art has changed in 2023? It's a big difference. And the world is, uh, is like blindly walking in off the bridge and, and acting like there's no problem with it. But, um, but the apostle Paul, he, <coughs> excuse me, he met the issue of carnality head on. This is what he said. If you're a baby, you might drink milk. But when you grow up, you have to start eating meat. And I think there's a lot of immaturity in the church. A lot of immaturity. People get saved, but they refuse to be discipled. They don't want to grow up. They don't want anybody to tell them what to do. They don't want any rules. America has quickly become a nation without rules. In fact, they got rid of the Bible. Now they want to get rid of the Constitution. Is anybody hearing me? When the Constitution was actually written based upon some of the principles of the Word of God. So that's where we are. Ephesians and Colossians says, put off the old man and put on the new. I mean, no, that's pretty plain language. Put off the old man, the things, you know, uh, you know, the things I used to be, I put off, and the things I ought to be, I put on. You have a responsibility to take off the flesh and put on the spirit. And so it's, it's a personal choice as to what you put on or whatever you take off. So, so we're not, this is not an all-out blast, everything is evil. Pastor Ron doesn't think everything is evil. But how many know there's a, the world out there has a bend toward evil? It's bent toward evil. If you leave the world without God, guess what you're going to get? A catastrophe, right? And so, so that's what's happening. And, um, and it's a serious call, a serious contemplation. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. So if you can look at them before they, seemingly get bad if, and in other, in other words there's this word for sin in the in the hebrew in the greek it means the end result the end result so in other words it means this if, if you can if you can see the end result before you take place in that uh, take part in that activity you would not take part in that activity but people are blindly taking part of things small things at first insignificantly small at first no big deal at first but if you look at it, how it evolves into the end, the wages of sin ends up being death. That's the evolution of it. It gets to the end, you'll see a very uh, catastrophic uh, death-like. So he's not, he's not happy with you and your spouse having a fight. He would like to have you split up, tear the family apart. He's not happy with a church that disagrees with this or that. He'd love to destroy the church. No peace, right? No unity. So, so today we accept anything as Christian when much of it is totally inappropriate. I know it ain't preaching, shouting message, but I'm still preaching it. I'm going to still preach it. You know, you can go to some church and they'll water it down for you. You can drink it up like Kool-Aid. But you must take personal responsibility for your character decision. Discipline your own life according to scriptural obedience, not cultural acceptance. I don't care what this culture in America accepts. If it ain't in the book, I don't really care to have it. Right? If it's not legal in the Bible, I don't want it. I don't care how legal America made it. It's not going to help me. And I was, I was once lost, but I found Jesus. Anybody glad for salvation? And maybe if you've never been lost, you don't know what it's like to be saved. But I was lost, and I don't have a desire to go back to lostness. I don't even want to have a hint of it. Well, you can do this now. It's all good. You can smoke pot. You can, you can just do, you can do anything you want now. Where was that 40 years ago? You know where I would be if it was legal 40 years ago? Not standing here because the wages of sin is death. And I guess guarantee it's so new, this legalization. And now not only, not only marijuana is legalized, they want to legalize other uh, drugs that are like, um, I forget the word for it, but, but, um, psych, psych drugs, mushrooms, all those things that the hippies did back in the seventies. It's all legal now. Well, the hippies probably are turning over in their grave. Many of them went to jail for it. Now it's legal. And so we accept anything as Christian because the culture said it, it was legal. Well, Rome said it was legal too. But look what happened to them. So the thing is that you need to remember God requires character. 
no matter what the culture said. Next one. Uh, how many believe God's grace can keep you in a sin-sick world? Sure he can. The second one is spiritual warfare never ceases. That's the second point. I'm almost done. Let you out early. You all be happy. Spiritual warfare never ceases. This is not just a war on America. This is a war on every nation because it's not physical. How many know we wrestle not with flesh and blood? This is a spiritual war. This is a, a, a God versus evil, right? Satan and, and God. And does anybody know who wins? Of course, redemption always wins. So Satan attacks your mind and your heart and your emotions. But what he's after is your spirit. He wants to get your mind so he can get your spirit. So if he gets a generation all drugged out or potted, you know, uh, high as, as they can be and, and, and psych drugs and all that, just all spaced out, how's that going to help their spirit? If your mind is out of control, how many know your spirit definitely going to be lost? So that's what's happening. It's uh, it's turning from uh, from the outside in, and so emotional, mental, physical, whatever they can do to um, to affect this next generation, because they're the ones that are going to bring in the last day's harvest. So what are the things we need? Well, we need godliness. How many know we need a revival of godliness? Holiness, what do you want to call it? Living like Jesus. Living like Jesus. And so uh, if, if this culture today in America painted Jesus, uh, I would be afraid of the outcome of that picture. What would he look like? I don't even want to go there. How about godly wisdom? How many thinks we could use a little bit of that? Godly wisdom. Not intellect, not knowledge, because knowledge puffs up. you got a lot of educated idiots out there. They're so smart, but can't they don't have common sense. God gave a gnat. And so uh, I, I think of a mosquito sat on the bridge of their nose. He could kick their brains out. It's called a bird brain. But God's wisdom, how can you live? How can you learn? How can you lead without the wisdom of God? And that's from the Lord. That's through your spirit, man, right? From the Holy Spirit. And then how about honesty? Just plain old honesty. I've never found a day where people look straight at you and lie. Straight at you and lie. It's it's amazing. And so mercy and truth, uh, that the scripture says, preserves the king. The king, the leader can't be a liar. The leader is a liar. He's leading everybody astray. Mercy and truth preserve the king. Tell the truth. How many things this old-fashioned tell the truth will help you? My mom and dad say, you tell the truth, I still might whip you, but it won't be as hard. Just be honest. You have to live with you. You have to live with you. Have you ever heard somebody say to somebody else, how do you live with yourself? You ever heard that statement? Because you have to live with you. And the the choices you make and the the actions you do, you have to live with that. It's guilt and shame and all of that comes with it. Your choices. How about discernment? How many know we can use a little bit of Holy Spirit discernment these days? Ability to distinguish between what is good and what is bad. Seems like common sense. But our culture today calls good bad and bad good. It's kind of like confusing. Sexual immorality, moral standards. If you can't trust you, who can you lead? You can't trust you. Who can you trust? And so that's why we need accountability partners. That's why we need church. That's why we need discipline. That's why we need disciples. That's why we need teachers and leaders and guides. Is anybody hearing me? You can't just go amok. A childless generation without no parents? I mean, oh, that is bad news. They don't have any structure. They don't have any wisdom. They have nobody imparting anything to them. They're running the streets. We need it. They need sober, sober-minded, clean thoughts, clean mouth. How about just plain old manners. Hey, where did they go? It wasn't just supposed to be for the 50s. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. No, sir. I, I don't think we're right trying to run a, a, a army camp here and boot camp, but boy, just a plain old manners. Please and thank you. Somebody needs to resurrect old Barney the dinosaur. Help us, Lord. Uh, protective. 
protect the, the weak, defend the helpless. How about the unborn? How about we speak up for those who can't speak for themselves? Why don't we help the poor? And so, anyway, we also need to choose, number three, what God respects. Choose what God chooses. That's, that's not hard. Just choose what God chooses. If God would choose it, you have a right to choose it. And look at this. If God wouldn't do that, you shouldn't do that. If Jesus wouldn't do it, you shouldn't do it, right? And so it's simple. God allows us to choose. Even if it is against his will, he'll let you choose it. But you got to remember the consequence is what you deserve after the choice you make. So you say, well, I didn't deserve that. Well, you shouldn't have done that. You get, you reap what you sow, right? You made that decision. Now, how many are glad that God is merciful and kind and gracious? How many, how many know we serve a loving God who's merciful and forgiving and kind and gracious? Hello? Of course, that's why we have church. So people can find redemption, so people can get forgiveness to wipe out guilt and shame and sin. Wipe it out. Get it off. Get it out. But if you don't come and repent in true repentance, how do you expect that uh, to, to get out of us? You gotta, you gotta get it out of you. And so, wicked leaders are God's reward for wicked people who follow the wicked leader. It's a choice. You follow who you want to follow. You're free to choose, but you're not free on this Freedom Weekend. You're not free to choose the consequences of your choice. You're free to choose. I'll say it again. You are free to choose. Free moral agent. You're a free will. Free to choose to disobey God if you want, his law if you want. But you're not free to choose the consequences of your choice. You're going to reap. If you sow it, you will reap it. That's rough stuff. Boy, I wish I'd hurry up and finish this and get on the light side. Is there any light side to this sermon? Come on, Lord, help me. It's coming. The Lord said it's coming. Hang in there. And, uh, and then God will reveal the consequences. Don't forget, if you refuse God's rule, I mean, oh, God will overrule. Ultimately, you think you can do whatever you want and get away with it. I mean, oh, God will overrule. He will overrule. He will dominate. He is in control. God has never relinquished control. And he never will. I mean, oh, the ultimate outcome is going to be up to him. So I would walk slow. And, uh, and I would call on God. Aren't you glad that we have an advocate with the Father? Aren't you glad that we can call on God and he redeems us? That we have altars at Oak Grove. That if you do, if you do mess up. Say, Pastor, this is pretty hard. No, 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 no. Life of sin is pretty hard. I mean, a life of sin, that's hard. That's harsh. A life of redemption and grace, I mean, oh, that's a blessed life. All you got to do is surrender, give your heart over to Jesus, let him forgive you, and stop running and being rebel and wild against kicking against God all the way. So what do we do with such a troubled situation in our nation? Well, here we go. A couple of more things I'll let you go. Number one, live countercultural. Live opposite. If if you don't have a whole lot of smarts, listen to me. Take take our world and turn it upside down. It'll look more like God. Because God is the opposite of everything going on in this world, right? It's, it's a bad deal today. Quit tolerating what God calls intolerable. Maybe you might have to kick it up. I don't think they hear me, Chris. Quit tolerating what God calls sin. You tolerate it, you're going to be advocating, encouraging. And so let me tell you about me as a leader of Oak Grove Assembly. Here's our creed. I'm pastor. We will never ordain practicing homosexuals. Not today. Well, aren't you merciful? Hey, I know people have issues. But we don't have to ordain them and put them in the ministry and teach. I mean, how crazy is that? Oh, well, everybody's accepted. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, that's a lie. I said coexist doesn't coexist. I said this is not a coexist place where the Muslim, uh, Islam and peace and male, female, whatever you want to be, uh, even a cat, uh, Judaism, Wicca, paganism, Eastern religion, and all Christianity. Just synchronize it all. Put it all together. And what do you get? Nobody's wrong. Nobody's wrong. 
But how many know if you preach that lie, you're going to be held accountable to God? Because surprisingly, modern Christianity's willingness to embrace the world has led to a new syncretism all over America. Radically inclusive. And if you if you're not in radical inclusiveness, then you're the villain, the bigot. Well, call me what you want. Churches are popping up everywhere. While Christian in appearance, they're pagan. Because they accepted everything. Welcoming all religions, all lifestyles. And the pastors and their leaders focus on being inclusive, which is a virtual open-door policy to any teaching or any standard of conduct. Whatever you want to believe, you believe. Go ahead. And I tell you, if you're part of that kind of church, you need to run as fast as you can. Get out of there. That's that's worse. That's like Sodom and Gomorrah being what God said. Get out of there. And don't look back. And don't look back. So the buzzword is in the movement is tolerance. That we all coexist regardless of differences. And so it's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a liberal movement cloaked in Christianity. It's really, it's really, it's a wolf dressed in sheep's clothes. They all look like Christians. They all talk like Christians or they all act like they're Christian, but they are anything but. And it's very progressive and very aggressive movement and emphasizes tolerance is more marketable to the rising generation of young churchgoers. It's more marketable. In other words, you'll have full seats. The place will be filled. And lots of money. You know what? You can stick me out in a cow pasture with a, a trailer and a microphone. And I'll preach to the cows. But I will not bend and bow to that kind of Baal worship in this nation. Somebody ought to shout amen. I'm just not going there. I can preach a little bit more, but I don't know. I'm just not. I'm not. I'm not wanting to bless you. So we'll never wink at sin of abortion or condone it. Not at Old Grove, not as long as I'm pastor. So if you if you think that's all great, then you're in you're in you're in bad place. And we'll never wink uh, at euthanasia. How many know the Ten Commandments are still the Ten Commandments? I'd be blessed if you can get two. We'll never wink uh, at sin. We'll never defend those who deny the cross as the only plan to save mankind. Can I tell you, Jesus Christ and his work on the cross is the only way to be redeemed. That's it. I don't have to shout it. I don't have to write a book about it. The book's already been written. It's called the Bible. Amen. And so if it says that thou shalt not, then we do not. <laughs> Let me slow it down a little bit. If the Bible says thou shalt not, then O Grove, do not. That's that simple. Don't need to have it make it hard. And uh, this is a big difference between forgiveness of sin and tolerance of sin. So I, I think a lot of friends of mine and leaders and pastors are having a real struggle. They, they don't know how to find a balance of the tension between forgiveness of sin and tolerance of sin. So when a person is born again and they're a babe in Christ, they're still working some things out, right? They don't have all that figured out, right? You don't expect a baby. You don't tell my little Tommy when he was six months Taylor, I hope you didn't say, Tommy, you got three chances to walk, buddy, and if you don't walk, that's it. Mom and I are done with you. No, Tommy's, you know, he, his legs have not been established yet. He's all fumbling. and He's getting around now, isn't he? Now we have to say stop climbing over the couch and on the counter and all of that. Tommy is growing up. Uh, and he still has some Tommy ways. Because babies are babies. But if you're a grown adult, been in the church 40 years, how many know you ought to grow up? It's time to stop acting like a baby and start growing up and taking responsibility. That's the difference. So neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Amen? God actually requires holy living, which is to live separate from the world or opposite of the world, countercultural. Israel was not into intermarrying with pagans. You don't intermarry with a pagan. And when they did, guess what? Woo, bad news. Ask Samson. You read your Bible. They did, and they worshipped their idols, and they were unequally yoked. In a serious, it's a serious thing, and they were taken into captivity by the Babylonians. It was as if God were saying, you want to be with them? I'll let you live with them. You're in bondage. Now, how does that feel? 
And then Achan took the forbidden money and clothes from Jericho. God judged the entire nation and they lost the battle, the little old battle at Ai. Right? On one man's sin. Say what you do doesn't matter. Oh, yes, it does matter. It affects the whole nation. And Samson, he allowed Delilah to turn his heart from God and lost not just his hair, his strength, but his eyesight. Then he lost his freedom as a result of disobedience. America is losing her strength, walking blindfolded into a pit. And my heart is grieved. David lusted after Bathsheba, paid a a horrible price. Does anybody here realize that sin follows sin? Here's a good King James word. Sin begets sin. It's a good King James word. It breeds sin. Sin breeds sin. And more sin. And so his adultery turned into murder. And the result, David's son Absalom tied. uh, He tried to steal the throne. And the other son, Amnon, raped his half-sister. You just can't get away with it. Sin will follow you. But Jesus will redeem you. I mean, oh, Jesus came to break the curse of sin, to set you free. He whom the Son set free, come on now, is free indeed. So I grieve over the churches today and the people today. Um, Holiness is a a relationship with God. It's not a religious activity. Look at Ananias and Sapphira. We just talked about them a few weeks ago. Uh, They lied about the offering and both died instantly. It, It means that God didn't need their money. He wanted their heart. But they broke, they broke the law of God and boom, gone. Very serious that he take advantage of that early on in the church before uh, chaos hit. And 90 years later, we had it, Laodicean church. So syncretism has them bending and blending the Bible and the culture and lowering the bar of holiness. I know we're supposed to meet people where they are. But we're supposed to lead them to Jesus after. You don't leave them the way they are. I said, God loves you just the way you are right now. But he loves you too much to leave you in that condition. He don't want to leave you in that condition. you got to come out from amongst them. Is anybody hearing this kind of stuff? I'm going to keep on. I'm almost done. We have no right to decide for ourselves what is considered acceptable behavior. The Bible spells it out with clarity. Who died and made you the judge to tell whether this is right or wrong? Just open the Bible. It should tell you plainly. And so what shall we do? Pray with divine intuition. That's the second thing real quickly. Pray with divine intuition. It means it means my people pray, call on God, seek his face, uh, cry out to God for an intervention, right? Be intentional uh, because only God can change America. Amen. And only God can change a human heart and create a move toward him. Uh, So I say let's call on God, let's fast, let's pray, let's believe, for it's never a waste of time or energy or emotion to pray. The prayers, the prayers of the earnest prayers of righteous people avail much. How many believe God will answer if we will pray? Number three, activate and express your spiritual values. Basically is live what you believe. Just live what you believe. Uh, You'll never, you never win anyone over by compromise. I'll tell you, there's pressure on a lot of our pastors. Oh, pastor, don't be so hard-nosed. Don't be so, uh, you know, uh, old school. Well, this is not old school. I'm not writing a new Bible. I'm preaching the same old Bible. It's not old school. It's the same old Christianity. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means Jesus can take this Bible and make it relevant for somebody to find redemption today. It's not outdated. Can somebody shout amen to that? The next generation can find Jesus just like you did. And we're going to pray and believe God that uh, the word is plain and leaves no room for doubt. We believe right. We might behave right. Hide the word of God in your heart that you might not sin against God. Number four. Number four. Real quickly. I only have seven. Vocalize and verbalize your faith. Open your mouth. Be sensitive. To the leading of the Holy Spirit. He opens doors that no man can shut, and he shuts doors no man can open. Be leading, be led by the Spirit, and he sets up divine appointments and uh, with and for those that he can trust to walk through the door. God will set up divine appointments for you, with you. 
And if you'll talk to God about them, how many know he will help you meet those needs? Uh, Number five, don't argue the gospel. A lot of my friends are out there debating and debating and arguing and arguing and arguing. So what are you arguing about? I mean, the Bible settles it. You don't have to argue it. This is the only rule for faith and conduct. Oh, Grove, look, you want to know the creed of Oak Grove Assembly? The Bible. This is all we have. This is our only rule for faith and conduct. If you have any other thing, you're going to be, in the end, led somewhere else. But we're going to stick as close as we can to this book and not compromise. So if you can't, uh, if you can't argue with people because uh, people have a lot of strange beliefs. Syncretism has, has, has come in, like I said, and they want to like this, a little bit of that. Like a, like a, like Golden Corral. You go to Golden Corral, I don't even know what to eat. It's got so much food. I don't even know if I want chicken or if I want meatloaf. Uh, I just, uh, so I end up getting a piece of sausage and a bread and I go home. It's just too much. My mind is blown. And the, and so how many know you got to keep it simple, sweetheart? That's your kiss on July 4th. That's God bless you. So, uh, don't argue with them. Show the glory of God. Don't just tell the story. Show the glory. The word doxa. It's a doxology. Doxa means to have glory come from within, out. The word kabod means glory as well, but it has to have glory come upon you, the weight of glory, right? And so God wants us to, to, to speak. You don't have to fight. You don't have to knock somebody in the head. You don't have to just, just, just be clear by living the gospel and reflecting the glory of God. And his glory never fades away. We are called to reflect the glory of God. And you are made in his image, so reflect that image. I'm not sure the church in America is reflecting Christ. And so, it, you, and listen to this, you can't reflect something you're not in the presence of. You can't reflect something you're not in the presence of. If you're in the front of a mirror, you can reflect what you're in the presence of. But if you're not in the presence of the Lord, you can't reflect. And he's so far gone, so outdated to this culture, they're not reflecting the true Christ. And that's what's happening. And that's the way I see it. And when you reflect his glory, how I many know oh, he will perfect his glory in you? Number six, love without compromise. So, so I think this world needs to be loved into the kingdom. I don't know how you're trying to win people today, but I'm trying to love them into the kingdom. It's not hard to love people into the kingdom. Everywhere I go, I try to do something kind or try to say something nice or try to start, an, hey, it, with an attitude, you know what? You're going to run them out of the church before you run them into the church. And what's happened is they're so misconstrued about what church really is and what God's people really are that they're running out and away instead of two so we can help them, love them into the kingdom. So love without compromise. It doesn't mean that you're compromising your faith, but you have uh, pure authority and pure authenticity of the word of God. Basically, you love the people, but you hate the sin. How many's ever heard that before? Hate sin, love people. Well, it's the same thing. Still doing it. Let your love be without hypocrisy, and 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 that will make. Uh, in fact, Jesus said they will know you're a Christian. That's how they will identify Christianity by your love one for another. And finally, and everybody getting excited, live with a divine expectation of His coming. How many know Jesus is coming soon? Jesus is coming soon, my friend. And with one side of me, I'm so excited. I can't wait to go. I can just spit. But the other side of me, I'm grieved because there are children and a whole generation of people I've never heard. In Papua New Guinea, we were on the phone. That's crazy, huh? You could be on the phone with people thousands of miles away, right? And they're over there trying to reach people for God who have never heard. When in America, they've heard. Thousands of times. They don't even have a Bible over there. How many Bibles do you have in your possession? So I know we live in a dark world, a dark, dark culture. But but the light of the gospel, how many know, is able to dispel the darkness? You are shining like light in a perverted and a crooked generation. So I'm not planning on giving on, uh, up on America. I'm done preaching, though, by the way, and it's only 11 19. That's a miracle. Holidays, I try to give you all a break on the holiday. You know, it's a lot of heaviness. Seemed like a heavy message this morning, but it's not. I mean, no, the grace of God is still able to be found. 
You can take the gospel, the light of the gospel. You can take the love of Jesus, and you can go to the store. I'm trying to think about where I was yesterday. Oh, oh, this morning, not yesterday, this morning, 6 a.m., 6 a.m. Melissa's not here. I got up, and I snuck over to the donut shop. And if any of you tell her, I'll tell everybody about you, <laughs> your sins. <laughs> I went there, and the lady said, uh, I said, oh, it's new right there oh, by Sam's. The, uh, what is that donut? St. George, St. George, whatever. I just, it's definitely holy donuts. It's St. George, St. George. So, I said, oh, I haven't been in here in like since y'all remodeled, and, and, and it's so nice. And I, and I said, oh, my goodness, look at that big old thick cinnamon roll. That's so holy. And uh, and I said, but the, uh, I said I don't want a cinnamon roll. But she said, well, there's the baked kind, and then there's the fried kind. Fried. I mean, you can fry anything. I'm gonna eat it. She said, well, why don't you get both of them? You could try it. I said, I believe you're right. That is the will of God this morning for me. So she laughed, and I and then and then I said uh, I said to the other lady. You got the right person working this counter. To which she said, "Well, uh, uh, where do you, where do you where are you go?" Like I so said, "I'm a pastor here in in Springfield for the last 21 years at Old Grove down the street." Said, "You know where Cherry Street Baptist is? They always know where that is." Yeah, yeah, I know that. Did you know that half the world was Baptist? I didn't know if you knew that. I'm just telling you. Said, "You know, on the corner. Oh yeah, the church on the corner." So that's Old Grove. I've been hanging my hat there 21 years. And this is what she said. Do you know I live in Ava? And I've been going to church in Ava, and I moved here, and I haven't been to church. I'm looking for a church on Sunday nights. And uh, and I said, well, hey, we are the church for you. So it was God's will for me to get a donut this morning. That's the, that's the moral of the story. Tyler, uh, Taylor, not Tyler, Tyler's gone. Taylor, come on back up here. Do I have anything else up in there, sissy? Allie, you did a good job. Uh, oh, I do have something. Oh, this is very good. Abraham Lincoln said, America will never be destroyed from from the outside. If we falter and lose our freedoms, it will be because we destroyed ourselves. Next one. God will reveal his glory in our land. I do believe that. Can we pray for our nation this morning? Would you stand with us this morning? We want to pray for our nation. Um, I love this picture right here. It's uh, the cross kind of. Never want to cover up the cross with the flag. And although I'm very patriotic and I love my country, I never want to cover up the cross. How many know Jesus paid a major price? I know men and women paid a price for our freedom, but Jesus paid a price for our salvation. (laughs) Got to keep that in the right perspective. Next, in God we trust. That nickel ain't worth a nickel anymore. And that phrase is trying to be put away. Independence Day for all of us. How many know God's going to bless this nation? How many are praying for God to bless America again? Would you lift your hands to the Lord? Let's just call on him. Let's pray for our nation. Father God, you said that if my people would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, that you would hear us, and we know that you hear us this morning, that you would forgive us of our sin and that you would heal our land. If there's anybody here this morning, God, that needs redemption that needs forgiveness through the message that i hope that they didn't feel con- condemned or condemnation uh, judged prematurely but lord we know that the, only the truth can met uh, set a man or woman a boy or girl free only the truth thank you for the convictions of this house thank you for the word of god which we plan to preach until you take us home for the families that were out and about may they enjoy their families this afternoon They get back to the house of the Lord next week. But the ones that are here, we have gathered together around the cross first and then around the flag second. And we say, God, would you please, would you please, come on, old girl, would you stretch your hand toward that flag, the American flag over there, would you do that? Father God, would you please put your hand upon this nation one more time and the things that the men and women fought for, the things that that made the Declaration of Independence the, the way we got our freedom, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to keep it, especially as our children and our grandchildren grow up in a nation that seems to be devoid of moral, moral truth, 
trying to have syncretism that everybody believes whatever they want to believe and bringing a lie to the church. Inclusivity is not the answer. Everybody was included because you offered your life on the cross. So you're not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. But they have to do that. They have to come to repentance. We love you. We salute the flag, but we honor our God. And we know, Lord, if our nation goes under, our God never will. We beg you, Lord, bring a revival to our nation. Bring a revival to our nation. Touch our churches one more time, God. If anybody's here this morning would need prayer, I want our prayer partners to come. We're going to close out. If you're here and you want prayer, our prayer partners are glad to pray with you. And uh, so just lift your hand and say, Pastor, I need prayer. I need prayer. We're praying for Sharon Julian this morning. Uh, she is in the hospital with her mother who had a very, very bad turn uh, of events. But she seems to be getting better. So praying for Sharon. We're praying for Debbie as Lydia Lewis's uh, friend. Is uh, Lydia here? I know Lydia lost her uh, Lydia lost her family member or friend at, uh, in Texas. She's heading out Wednesday. So we'll be praying for Lydia and Debbie this morning. Um, uh, other people need prayer. Uh, is Ronnie here? Ronnie, we're praying for you, baby. Praying for you. Anybody else need prayer this morning? If you want to come, I'm going to close in prayer. If you want prayer, you can walk this way. If you don't, you can walk the other way. Have a great day in the Lord. Don't forget next week uh, we have our VBS. and Our children need you. They need you to be with them. Your feet in the seat, right? And we want you in the seat. Pray for the Cedar Brook. We're going to go back to there. See if they want to come be with us as well. Would you lift your hand to the Lord? Father God, we love you today. If there's anybody who needs prayer today, we are here. If there's anybody like to find Jesus, we are here. And we want to be a beacon of light in this community especially to children and those that are hurting, those that need you, Father, today. I pray you'd help the Word of God to infiltrate their heart. Speak to them, Lord. Speak to them. It's not about religion, God. It's about a relationship. So I pray that you'd help us to redefine what Christianity is in the back to the real definition, followers of Christ. Open the Word of God. Turn things around, and we'll give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Would you give the Lord praise this morning? God bless you. If you have to go, we understand. We're going to pray for some of these needs. You just hang tight. If somebody wants prayer, you can see Max over here, Kathy over here. Have a great week.